So one of the things that people uh, ask uh, when they find out that I'm a Methodist pastor is what does, what does that mean? What does it mean for you to be a Methodist pastor as opposed to something else? This is just one of many things that happens when people find out that I am, uh, I am in ministry vocationally. One of the uh, other things is that uh, people will stop cursing if they have been. Another thing that happens is people will tell me about where they grew up going to church, or uh, if they go to church now, they'll tell me about where they go. Uh, but this is another question that I get sometimes, is what does it mean for you to be a Methodist pastor as opposed to anything else? And that's a good question, because in our world, we have to wonder what, what the real differences are. What is it that makes one group of Christians unique? Because at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing, which is to follow Jesus Christ, to serve him, and to make a difference uh, in the world in his name. But when I think about what it means uh, for me, one of the things that I, I like to say is that it means that my sermons always end with active verbs. Uh, we have a tendency to end sermons with, this is the truth, and here's what you should do. Here's how you take this and carry it out into the world and into your everyday life. We end with active verbs. We tell you how this should change the way that you live your life. Well, one of the things that I wanted to do is, in the, at the end of this series that we've been going through, is to end with active verbs. We've been talking for several weeks now about how it is that God can use these habits and disciplines and practices uh, that we can maintain in our lives to change us, to bring transformation and renewal into our lives and into the lives of the people around us. We've talked about things like praying and the power that prayer has. We've talked about how worshiping together brings us closer to one another and closer to God. We've talked about how we can encounter Jesus Christ at the Lord's table. And today, I wanted to talk about how we can encounter Jesus Christ, how we can experience transformation and experience renewal through acts of service. Like I said, to end with active verbs. Now, when we think about service, sometimes you'll encounter people who are kind of, uh, they have a different sort of take on, on service, on uh, being generous. I've encountered many of people in my lifetime, uh, many people who are philosophically minded, who like to think about things a step back from, from where we all operate. And as a result, I've heard many of these people argue that generosity or charity or altruism isn't actually outward-focused, but rather that it's self-serving, that it's something that people do not because it's good to do, but because it makes them feel good. And in that sense, it's not really about service, it's about you. And as I've thought about that over the years, I've come to have a few different thoughts. The first one being, man, that is, that's such a cynical outlook. It's so bitter to look at people who are, are serving one another and to say, you are actually doing that for your own sake. It says something about how we feel about humanity in general, if, uh, that that is one of our gut reactions, is to assume an ulterior motive when we see people being kind to one another. 
But second, one of the things that I've thought more and more as time goes on is that I don't think that that's actually very true. I don't think that by default it makes us feel good to inconvenience ourselves or to uh, give away the things that we like or feel like we need for the sake of someone else. I, I think that we like things that make us comfortable. We like things that make us happy. We like to have more and not less. When was the last time that you encountered someone who, uh, by default, with nothing else, wanted to give away everything that they had because it made them feel good? No, people are selfish creatures by default. We want what's good for me. You can look at you can look at children too. How often do you hear children talking about, "Oh, this is mine. You know, that's mine. I want that." It's something that we do from the very beginning, and in a lot of ways, we still do that exact same thing in our lives. We go through thinking, "I want this," or "I want that for me." But by being generous, an interesting thing happens. We start to learn to enjoy being generous. It's only by participating in service, by giving up your time in service of somebody else for the sake of somebody entirely disconnected from you that you can learn to enjoy that, to get something out of it. Well, guys, that's exactly what we've been talking about for the past five weeks. That's transformation. For us to do something, to participate in a practice or get a habit going in our lives that changes the way that we interact with the world, that is transformation. Jesus' words in this scripture reading this morning are strong. Jesus oftentimes spoke strongly about different things. We think of him as kind of this, this mild person, but in truth, this tale of the sheep and the goats is not all that uncommon for the way that he interacted with other people, for the stories that he told and the examples that he gave. These words are strong, and I don't think that we, as Christians, should ignore them. Jesus tells us that we encounter him in the needs of other people. So much so that there are eternal implications to it. It is a matter of of our souls that we serve other people. That's what Jesus tells us. Now, before I go any further, I want to start by clarifying. We are not saved by serving others. It's not our actions that, uh, that bring us closer to God in the sense of salvation. This was settled centuries ago. We can be the most charitable and generous and altruistic people in the world and still never encounter the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that the service is not good. It just means that it's not enough to save us. So we're not saved by serving, but salvation changes us into servants. It's a transformational faith that renews our hearts and makes us new from the inside out. And one of the results of that salvation is a charitable mind, is a spirit that serves. Jesus was not a rich man. 
Jesus was a poor worker, a decidedly blue-collar, family business, small-town kind of guy who spent most of his life in the same place that he grew up, in the same place that his parents lived. When you look at Scripture, what you see is that he was 33 years old when he began traveling and, and uh, sharing his ministry. That's 33 years of hard work. One of the things that that tells me is that, that, that kind of blows my mind is that when Jesus was my age, he was just working in his dad's shop. He had not yet gone out and spread the good news. He had not yet gone out and told people that the kingdom of God was here. He was still just a man working in his father's business. It's no wonder that he stood alongside the poor all throughout his ministry. He was poor. And one of the things that we know as Christians is that Jesus was fully God, but also that Jesus was fully human which means that we can learn about the incomprehensible God through the knowable Christ. So when we spend time with people in need, whether material need or spiritual need, we can learn from them to understand Jesus more fully. But more than that, more than that, what we know about service, the way that we think about other people is that we believe that every single person was created lovingly by God, and that every single person was created in the image of God. They call it the imago dei, the image of God. And for us as Christians who are learning to love as Jesus loved, who are learning to want the things that God wants, we're being changed into people who want to see the world become what God is making it. When we look around, when we serve, it's because we know that every single person was made in God's image. It's because we see the love that Christ has for each person that we encounter, for everyone we pass on the streets and every person that we meet, and we want to love them like Jesus loves them. Genesis 2 says that God's breath is our source of life, that in the act of creation, God breathes his own breath into our lungs. We know that God cares individually for each person. We know that God wants that relationship to be restored. As we learn to want what God wants, to love like God loves, one of the things that we need to do is to learn to want that relationship to be restored just as God does. But service isn't just about learning, to, learning about Jesus from other people. It's something that makes an impact within your own heart. It's transformation, like I said, and also within the spirit of a community. The light of Christ shines through our service to other people. Let me give you three scenarios. The first, uh, imagine someone who goes up to strangers on the streets and tells them the gospel, that tells them, 
you're separated from God and things are not as they're supposed to be, but through Jesus Christ, you can be reunited and restored to God. Now imagine a second scenario. Somebody hears about a need in their community, someone that they either don't know at all or that they barely know, maybe an acquaintance of theirs, who has a real and immediate need in their life. Now imagine this person goes above and beyond reasonable expectation and decides that they're going to do something to meet this person's need. Now third, imagine somebody who does that same thing, who meets this person's need, who uh, provides in a way that they uh, might, be, uh, might be cared for, and then invites them maybe to dinner or a cup of coffee sometime to get to know them as a person and not just as someone uh, who's an object of their service. They invite them into a relationship and then they explain the reason that I did this is because I know the love that Christ has for you and because I have been transformed by Jesus Christ. I am not the same person that I was before because I know Jesus. Yes, declaring the love of Christ is better than nothing. And demonstrating the love of Christ is better than nothing too. But to take both together, to declare and to demonstrate, to show people the love of Christ, and then to explain to them how much they're loved, that's better than both of those things on their own. Because it reveals the fullness of that relationship. And it can change the spirit of a community, too, because people are inspired by charity. They're inspired by selflessness and by service. I mean, if you look back a few years, there was this show, I don't know if you watched it like I did, but I loved these sorts of shows, uh, a show called Extreme Makeover Home Edition, where people uh, who had things happen in their lives, that had situations change and suddenly found themselves without a stable living situation... And this group heard their story and would come in and either do a full construction project or a full renovation so that these people would be able to live uh, in a home once again. When I saw that show, there was a real part of me that said, man, I need to go into construction so that I can do something like that. Now, obviously, I didn't go into construction, but that sentiment still remains when we hear about other people taking care of one another, we see a picture of what good community looks like. We see a picture of what God wants for us as people in relationship with one another. When people see that kind of love, that kind of service, they begin to think about changing themselves. But when we take a step back from that and return to our scripture... When we look back at what Jesus said, we realize that all of this, all of this talk of, of uh, changing community and inspiring one another honestly seems kind of soft compared to what Jesus says, especially at the end when he talks about eternal punishment. You see, this isn't just about inspiring other people. This relates to the state of our souls, too. This is a weighty thing, something we really need to spend time thinking about. 
Think about what it means that you are alive. Think about what it means to be alive. Your heart is beating and your lungs are inflating. Your muscles are making movements that are so small you don't even notice. Your neurons are firing. Things are moving. All around us, we have plants that grow. Cells divide. Even when it seems still, there's movement. Things shift constantly. And everything is changing at every moment. Living things are active. Even in moments when we feel like we're being perfectly still, our bodies are active because living things are active. So, so shouldn't uh, a living faith be active too? When we look back at the cynic at the beginning of this story, at the beginning of our day-to-day, I think he had a little bit of a point. It does feel good to serve other people. It's nice to be nice, but that's not the point. That's not why we do it. It's just a side effect. Ultimately, the true joy of service comes not from that feeling and not even because we're serving other people, but because through that, we're serving God. And God is our ultimate source of joy in all things. So as we go out from here today, as we go out into the rest of our week, I want to invite you to look at people and try and see them how God sees them. Look for opportunities to serve and opportunities to meet people's needs. And then remember to thank God that we can do that.